Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. I'm your host, as always, Sean DeVries. Great to have you on board. Now, I just re-recorded this with Gemma from Notorious EAT, one of the best food trucks in Queensland. Uh, we talked with her about 18 months ago and we decided to do a re-record and update on this. So I hope you really enjoy it. If you're thinking about starting a food truck business or really want to understand how to navigate your way through hospitality, then I think you're going to find this really beneficial. So let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. Great to have you on board. It is fantastic to have a re-recorded version of this amazing podcast that Gemma and I did um, over 12 months ago. Gemma, the owner of Notorious EAT, how you doing? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, so great to have you back. It's, um, it's great to re-record this because so much has happened since the last time I saw you, which is mm. fantastic. Um, now, obviously, you've got the very successful Notorious EAT on the Gold Coast, one of the best burger food trucks in the coast for sure thank you <laughs> um so let's talk about how you actually started the industry because you're you're playing in such a cool field at the moment i think it's really important to for people to know where you actually started i started as a chef when i was 17 yep um and then sort of just by accident ended up at domino's pizza cool so i used to deliver pizzas on the side because obviously being an apprentice you don't get paid very much yeah uh and then yeah i kind of ended up in domino's for 14 years, um, bought my own Domino's store, mm-hmm. I went over to New Zealand, opened up a new market over there, I came down to Melbourne, yep. bought my store and then, um, yeah, so that was quite a long time by accident. <laughs> yeah, so when, what um, kind of years, when was that exactly? Uh, oh, Early 2000s? Showing how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was about, yeah, about 98, 99. Yeah, right. Maybe. Um, so, so that was the early inception of Domino's, right? Really? Uh, yeah, it was a, It was about four years after it yeah. was Silvio's Pizza. Yeah, that's right. And then they changed, um, but they were Domino's when I started. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was It was very small. I think there was only maybe 10 stores or so, 10 or 15 in Brisbane at that time. And now mm-hmm. there's hundreds, right? Yep. So yeah, it was kind of, it's funny to think back because I don't really think about Domino's ever being small. Because, no. You know, that was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And now it's massive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was um, fun. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it's funny to think back because yeah. back then, Don May was like around, you know? Yes. He was sort of running the stores. And yes. now he runs, I don't know, six or seven countries. Yes. So It's quite incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I never really thought like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I learned a lot working for Domino's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last time we recorded this, I was talking about going to New Zealand yeah. and how much, um, I don't know what the right word is, um, like how much I actually had to take on because we didn't have a head office over there. Right. Um, so I went over with my boss and we were, we opened 10 stores in 12 months. Wow. Um, so that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Especially um, for a new brand coming through. Yeah. That's exceptionally we, hard. Yeah. 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 We did two ninety five pizzas. Oh. So, um, Domino's, wow. yeah, just came in like guns blazing. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And Pizza Hut and Pizza Haven had never seen anything like it. No. Pizzas were expensive over there. You yeah. couldn't get cheap pizzas. Yeah. Um, so, 
I don't know if that's a good or bad thing <laughs> that they've ruined it for everyone else or um but they're all they still do really well over there it's yeah. just that their model is high volume lower profits yeah, yeah. whereas yeah and then I'm don't, yeah, Pizza Heaven doesn't exist over there anymore, so no. that's how that went down. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they bought, um, a bit like how Domino's, came, when they came in Victoria, they bought Silvio's, right? Yeah. Um, and I think they bought yeah, part they, of Pizza Haven back in the day. Yeah, they bought, and they um, turned them all into Domino's. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is incredible, because I think Pizza Haven had over 200 sites, from memory. Did they? It was pretty intense how many sites they had. I'm not sure how many they actually bought because yeah. that's sort of towards the end of me being yes. there. Yeah. So I was there for about two years. We opened up as Domino's and then when I came back, I think they bought a bunch of pizza yeah. havens. Yeah. Um, actually, that's when I was doing it. So I did um, their OERs, which is like their audits yep. for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so I used to go over to New Zealand right. and having to pull franchisees up because they hadn't, you know, uh, they were still using pizza haven delivery bags and things like that. So... <laughs> We had to be like, guys, we've got to get rid of them. Um, but obviously, they just couldn't afford to just yeah. do it all at once. So, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, trying to save some money. Shambles. Yes. <laughs> but that's franchising. That is franchising. <laughs> so, yeah. And okay. Then, where did I end up after Domino's? I went to, I was doing training, traineeships. Okay. Um, for a couple of years in between that. About yeah. four or five years, I think I did that for. Wow. Um, so, I used to look after Queensland. Yeah. I think I had close to a thousand trainees wow um so that was a pretty big job as well they had trainers working for me right i see yeah so yeah it wasn't too stressful <laughs> yes um and that was fun because it's always especially after being in a, a stressful role going into training you don't mm. have the responsibility of the the EBITDA and the yeah the P&Ls and stuff like that so it was actually quite nice for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. but um did you miss it though at the end yeah at yeah. the end of the day that's what i love doing so yeah i love being in operations yep um so then I ended up at Nando's. Yep. Um, spent another five years there. Mm-hmm. All this is adding up to show how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a trend or anything like that, or was yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Where did that idea come from? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, like Whole Foods in the US, enormous now. They're in London as well. Um, yes. You know, people. You know, people are coming to a supermarket today is no different to uh, you know big a big mission of. Uh, supermarket shopping is dinner um yes. that's no surprise yep. and uh mm-hmm. and i think you know even 25 years on there's still an enormous opportunity for that whole dinner mission and you know get get everything for dinner in one location instead of all over the supermarket and um mm-hmm. but yeah i think it was uh it was you know at that time arguably ahead of its time but you know in some in some ways not yeah do you think do you think in some ways not it, it was just the the market wasn't fully ready for it yet like it is now like i think consumers are constantly told um in this environment we live in 2020 that they're constantly busy so therefore they have this they have this mindset that they need to save time across the board oh look i think i think convenience today is 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 a significant um a bigger bigger thing than it was 25 years ago Mm. so i think people are significantly more time poor and yeah it was arguably ahead of its time but I think over the over the years, you know, I think you've seen more, you know, prepared meal type solutions coming into the market, um, and you know, Woolies and Coles in particular opening up on those areas, and yep. um, I think it, I think it's quite exciting. Yeah, yeah. So you know, early two thousands, you've you've left Coles. Like, what what happened after that? Yeah. Well, again, this is you know where you know when I when I talk to people about you know diversifying from 
you know, the hospitality industry. This is, you know, I talk to people about, you know, stepping stones and, you know, so 10 years at Coles and then I had this great opportunity to, to join uh, BP Australia in the convenience game and mm-hmm. um, develop the food offer for, for BP. So I think I was one of the first, you know, retail people to come into an oil company and their vision was to become a serious retailer from, you know, an oil company legacy. Um, yeah. And we developed the food offer, which now is is the Wild Bean Cafe. <laughs> so mm-hmm. The first one was uh, down at Seaford uh, uh, in Rye there on Christmas Eve 2004. Um, right. And look, the Great mission, to open. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's I think there's 150 or 170 or so now. So it's been a great story. And for BP at the time, it was all about differentiating through. Real coffee on the go, you know, lots of the other players have the sort of push-button coffee, so we had the, mm-hmm. you know, the full barista training and, you know, good quality food offer and, and built built a great business um, over, you know, quite a short period of time. And then I and then I went on to lead the merchandise team uh, for BP and um, had some operational project roles helping uh, the, with the full sort of retail transformation over as between 2003 and 2010. So I guess, um, you know, I went from hospitality into Coles as sort of with that background and learned a bucket load of new stuff, which then enabled me to take another stepping stone to build a food business in a, in a retail setting. So the you know, the attractiveness for BP with me at the time was I had a hospitality background, I knew food, and I had a, you know, sort of best-in-class retail experience as well. And, and um, you know, happy days for me, but you sort of create your own luck mm. at the same time, don't you? No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other the other thing that's really interesting with the two the two brands you just talked about and the, and the concepts is that they were really first to market. Like and yeah, and you were really pioneering some really new ideas at the time. Like you, you're talking about full barista style coffee in a in a um, in a petrol station. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. was like we take that for granted now as being being the thing with you know brands like Foodery and 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 that kind of stuff popping up, and even BP's new alliance with David Jones and yes, and that kind of thing in Australia, like. But in you know the early two thousands, like yeah, people still couldn't get their head around McCafe. I mean, like it was that's right. Like, you've done some like there's some amazing um, first in first in class stuff that you've done, Dave. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't uh, you know I don't take it lightly. I feel very grateful to have uh, have the opportunity and you know to have um, have the experience to you know I guess stay in the food industry but diversify within the industry and. Um, Yes, yeah, and what I love when I look back on you know my Coles and and BP is that both those areas I was involved in has really evolved into you know something even bigger and better you know evolving from where I left off. So it's sort of, it's just uh, you know pass on the baton as well, which is which is always yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, and change it again. Yeah. I was I was just going to ask you if I can, like you know we're talking we're talking um, mid nineties, mid early two thousands, and. We often take for granted, I think, um, uh, facets like LinkedIn, which can connect people so easily in business now, and that's obviously how we connected yeah. as well for this podcast. Now, how did how did those roles sort of come about? Was that was that new knowing people within the market? I mean, you're talking about new concepts, which I'm sure those two particular brands didn't want to sort of be out in the periphery for their competitors to know what they were thinking. Like, no, how, did, I, how did that come about? No, I remember it. Viv- I remember. Vividly, I saw an ad in the Age for 
the uh, the the role at Coles, and that, that yeah. initially was yeah. for it was the South Richmond store on Swan Street, which is now a dark mm-hmm. store for picking and packing, and the stores now where Dimmies used to be. I'm not sure if you know that area, but. Oh, yeah, so that was, you yeah. know, and I do remember quite vividly people saying to me, well, why would you want to do that? And um, that's just not going to work and oh, you're wasting your time and you're going to derail your career and all this sort of stuff. But, I, yeah. you know, I, I'm very visionary and I, I just sense that, you know, it's an obvious uh, opportunity and if I played my cards right, um, you know, what I thought could transpire did transpire. Uh, and then yeah. later on, so back, so then 2003, end of 2003, I saw another ad for, um, uh, I think it was in The Age again, and it was an executive search firm, you know, advertising in The Age, which is sort yep. of how you found jobs, you know, even back then. And, yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously bucket load of interest, a few rounds, and then, uh, and then that, was the, that was the BP opportunity. So, yeah, as you say, very, very different today. I was going to talk later on about the whole networking opportunity, but, um, yeah, that, you know, a couple of, a couple of lucky breaks, no doubt about it. But as I said, you know, you sort of um, you create your own luck, don't you? <laughs> oh, you most definitely create your own luck. You're, um, in, especially in new concepts where I've been involved in. I'm sure you will attest to this as well. You you quickly found out if things don't go well at the start, yeah, and uh, and you're not around very long if if they don't work, unfortunately. No, well, that's right. So, Correct. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how did talk about wild being for a second, like, you know, with so many locations and doing that first location on Christmas Eve, like how did how were you able to with that team communicate to customers what the offer was and why it was better in, in the market at that point? Yeah, look, I, well the anchor was absolutely the coffee. Um it yeah. was very, very strong marketing around the origins of the coffee beans and we have baristas and we have barista competition every year. And we, you wow. know, we foam our milk and we have crema on the on on the top of the coffee, and it's um, a good a cup of coffee as you would get at you know Hudson's or Gloria Jeans at the time. And yes. there was uh, above the line, you know, TVCs that were produced, um, you know, and and I think that was that was the absolute anchor. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 strategy was premium coffee and premium fuel. And and BP, yep. you know, it's quite funny. We used to say, you know, BP uh, is like the David Jones of uh, of that industry. Uh, BP is mm-hmm. that of of the convenience industry, and now they're working together, which is quite funny. Um, yeah, it is quite. Funny. So marriage yeah. made in heaven, there for sure. But yeah, it was really yeah. all about the coffee and the look and feel as you walked in. You know, nice sort of earthy look and feel, similar to what you know. Remember the Hudson sort of look and feel, um, looking very different to what you might ordinarily find in a convenience store. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Was it um, was it hard at the start to try and get um, baristas to actually work in essentially a convenience store petrol station, or, well, or was it something you guys were growing growing internally and sort of using that to sort of just grow the team? Well, it's interesting. I think there was definitely, you know, an internal battle around um, how the hell are we going to do this and, you know, mm. um, operationally it's too complex um, and we ended up um, obviously getting that over the line. Well, I think internally within the four walls of the store, I think it's quite exciting for the teams, um, you know, really sort of breaking the tradition of, you know, the normal activity that would be expected of, you know, staff in a convenience store. So a very robust training program to train as many people as we could to make great coffee because it's, you know, it's not it's not straightforward. It's not 100% straightforward. 
Um, yep. And then there was a Brewster competition, Brewster of the Year competition every year that started off in stores. There'd be the winner of a store, then the winner of an area, and then a, a huge gala dinner every year celebrating the Brewster of the Year. And so that added a lot of a lot of fun. Um, yeah, well. You know, so it was, um, and look, it's still the same today. I think I think the coffee is arguably even better than it was. So we're talking 15 years ago now, and um, yeah, yeah, and they talk, you know, the guys talk a lot about the origins, and they have different coffee beans, so you can choose your own coffee bean, and it's just evolved to, you know, it's all about differentiating in the market, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. especially especially with that premium offer at the top, it's um, can sometimes be hard to communicate, but um, but obviously at over 150 sites, you you know, at that time you obviously communicated extremely well, which is yeah. a good thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, for sure. Obviously, you did, you did an amazing little stint at, at BP Wellbeing, and what did you do after that? Well, it's funny because um, I don't even know you know this, but I had a uh, a hiatus out of uh, out of food, and and this is where yeah, the, right. the, the diversification gets yeah. even more bizarre because you know the principles of retail um, are the principles of retail regardless of the the offer, right? So I I spent four years with uh, Repco Auto Parts, funnily enough. Yeah, right. um, And the vision there was they wanted to have someone come in who had a very strong, um, you know, retail experience because, you know, Repco is traditionally a trade business servicing car parts out the back door to workshops so that when you get your car serviced. um, But they also uh, had a vision of building a very strong retail business out the front. So when, you know, Mrs. Jones came in to buy her windscreen wipers for Father's Day, um, you you know, it was all in check. And, I think we doubled the profitability uh, over four years. Um, an amazing journey, and as I said, you know, same principles, um, different industry, um, but that was a lot of fun and games as well. How did you? What what sort of led you to do that? Did you just feel that you had you just had got to a point where you just wanted to see what was on the other side, you know, and, and just wanted a bit of a break from food, or yeah, look, was it I think right it's, place, right time. Oh, look, I think it was just, you know, well, so prior, the couple of years prior to that, I was running the, the merchandise team, which was obviously still the Wild Bean was part of that, but was really getting yes. into the grocery side of life. And yeah. and so it was a very easy transition and it was a big opportunity. Um, and I just thought it felt right at the time and it absolutely was. And yep. my, uh, my family have an olive farm up at uh, Emerald here in Victoria, so still Amazing. still, still involved um, in the food industry, sort of behind the scenes. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was great fun. And, um, you know, I think it just adds another string to the bow, lots of different experiences, um, you know, leading big teams in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you've obviously had that four years in Repco. You've done a great job. You've, you've boosted profitability. You know, cut your teeth in another another kind of industry. What did you What did you do after that? Yeah, I was commuting up and down from Melbourne to Sydney uh, with Metcash, which is a big, uh, you know, the food and yep. grocery grocery supporting yep. uh, supporting the independent grocers of Australia for uh, for twelve months, and then almost four years ago now, what I thought was going to be in between, excuse me, <clears throat> corporate roles. I joined. Uh, I, I started my own uh, my own uh, business. Mm-hmm. Uh, working initially with um, sort of a few small to medium food and beverage brands with their holistic strategy, uh, yep. their branding, positioning, and sales and distribution, 
and then that just sort of grew grew into you know something that was really really quite enjoyable um taking some of these brands into some of the asian hubs um i have a couple of partners in the uk now as well who who um who sort of look after things in the uk with Mm-hmm. Australian brands that go over there, and then yep. um, I, I, I did a couple of other projects. I worked with the uh, the Pie Face uh, team at United Petroleum oh, yeah. earlier yep. earlier last year, and mm-hmm. some work with um, Price Waterhouse Coopers with their Food and Ag team and their Mergers and Acquisitions team. So like supremely diverse, um, mm-hmm. getting into some um, work around future future trends in food as well, which I love. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just been uh, it's just been amazing, really. And to feel you know, it's just kind of you know, after the sort of career I've described to you, it's sort of the, you know the pinnacle to be uh, to be doing your own thing and enjoying it, and you know, sort of you know, I guess reasonably good reputation in the industry. Um, of course. And uh, yeah, having a lot of fun at the same time. What What do you find? What do you find? One of the best things is with working for yourself and having your own food consultation brand. Do you think? Yeah, look, I think um, well, it's definitely the freedom. I mean, the, the, the yes. first reason you you go into business for yourself um, is uh, it's not about the dough; it's about the freedom, mm. right? And, and mm. what what does freedom mean? Um, well, you do have bosses because your clients are bosses. So I wouldn't say yes. you don't have a boss because that's not true. But I mm-hmm. think um, you know you've got full autonomy. Uh, you know, there are there are there are downsides as well, but the upsides are definitely the freedom. Um, you know the challenges are it can be a bit lonely sometimes, especially when you've led you've yep. led enormous teams, um, mm-hmm. and you know really enjoyed the team dynamic. So there's only you know a couple mm-hmm. of us, couple of guys work with me here, um, but you know you never know uh, you never know what's around the corner, mate. Never say never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. I was gonna I was gonna ask you, David. Like, obviously, with so many different so many different roles and different you know a couple of different industries. Like, how have you found when we talk about diversification now? Like, how did how did you find that you got yourself in the right position at the right time? Like, it, was it a, a, a learned behaviour to make sure that you were putting yourself in the face of the right people, or yeah. how, did those, how did those situations happen? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I've got there's a few tips here that I'll rattle off that I did have yeah, a bit please. of a think about. So, um, first of all, I wanted to say, you know, I love the hospitality industry, and people in the hospitality industry listening to this podcast, I don't want them to be thinking that, you know, the hospitality industry isn't a great industry because it's amazing, because I wouldn't be doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing today if I didn't start my career you know, as a chef by trade in the hot, you know, smoking kitchens of Europe. Um, So number one. Number two, I think I would say to people, you know, I was really good at being very clear on the path I wanted to take. And, you know, I think it's very it's very easy in the hospitality industry because it's so hard work and it's relentless that, you 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 know, you're in it and then you go to, you know, you crash out at night and there's not a lot of time to think about, you know, what is it that you really want to do? What do you want your path, you know, to be? Um, yeah, and and I think you know the other thing I'd recommend within that is you know getting a mentor. You know what does that mean? It can be anyone that you respect in the in the business world um, to bounce things, ideas off, and help you because it's bloody hard to try and unravel what that might be yourself. Um, yes, and then I would say you know, and again, this is not easy for most people. Is be very clear on you know what your strengths are. So don't worry about what your sort of challenges are or what your weaknesses are, you're always going to leverage, 
the best career possible by leveraging your strengths and everyone has strengths. So whether you're, you know, are you, are you creative minded or not? Are you, you know, they say you're right or left brain for me, I'm supremely right brained. I'm, I'm very creative. Um, and I love innovating and I'm always kind of out there looking for the, the new idea. And then I guess, you know, so within the realm of the food industry, whether it be hospitality or manufacturing, um, there's, you know, sales and marketing, sort of the front end, if you like, and then the back mm. end, so the supply chain, buying, logistics, administration, or the analytical world and big data now, so consumer trend data, scan data, market data. And then there's the technical side of the industry around product development and food technology manufacturing. So these are the sort of the big buckets of of areas within the food industry that you you can get into and i i just think you know people who are in hospitality probably don't you just got this myopic view of what you're doing and it's just mm, very hard to see the sort of trees from the forests if you know what i mean um a couple more i'd say you know really be you know consciously open to removing yourself from your comfort zone you know mm-hmm. overcoming those fears whatever they might be and you know we all have them and and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something and don't get pigeonholed because I remember very clearly my early days at Coles I had, you know, senior executive Coles person say to me, you know, you'll never, you'll never be a buyer when I first sussed out that I thought I might be able to be a buyer. So, so I know I had someone say that's not going to happen and I've sort of thought to myself, well, just watch this. So, you know, yes. really, you know, self-belief, confidence, and if you think you can do something, then you probably can, and if you doubt you can, then you're probably right. So um, positive mindset and, you know, your mindset determines your outcomes, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it most definitely does, Dave. Like, it's it's quite interesting. You've talked about so many different um, great pathways for people. I think a lot of the people that listen to this, um, I know either business owners, franchise owners, um, they work in the industry, you know, they've started off in small hospitality businesses and hopefully grown it. The The challenge that we have as an industry is to um, uh, capture that talent um, and make sure it can actually diversify and grow within different sectors of it. And I, and it's, and it's a really like, it's a, I find it's a, probably a really hard thing because a lot of those people are quite creative uh, within the hospitality industry, which is why it's so strong, yeah. but often then they can't see, you know, the wood from the trees, as you said, and they and they can't see the the um, the other the other opportunities that can be with other brands or you know with other bosses and and all that kind of stuff. It's 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 always been a a challenge for me when I've had really good talent in front of me to actually guide them into where they need to where they actually need to go and for them to believe that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I think that's a really good point. And just to add to that, I would say, you know, one thing I've learned as recently as the last, you know, three years in particular is the, this whole mm. this whole new opportunity around networking, not only with obviously LinkedIn, which is amazing, um, yes. but literally getting in front of people, going to events, you know, getting face-to-face with the people who you can talk to and, you know, illustrate to them, you know, what you're doing and what you can do. And, you know, regardless of what you're doing in hospitality, you should be talking to the right people about, you know, not only what you physically do on a day-to-day, but, you know, learn about 
the performance of the, the the business that you're in, and you know talk about the performance improvements and how many buns on chairs you get in versus this time last year or whatever it is you can muster up. Because ultimately, mm. you you progress your career through providing evidence of you know the results you've achieved so far. Right? It's 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 simple. Most definitely, as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, I always I think it's very important. Also, I heard this. A while back, and I loved it, and it is true. And it's you know always give ten percent more than what's expected. It sounds so, like yes. it sounds like such a sort of cheesy thing to say, but you know I think it's really important to uh, you know really go over and above in what you're doing, and you know ultimately create those opportunities for yourself. And you know ask yourself continually how do I how do I stand out? How do I create an opportunity for me in the marketplace that um, I can see is there? Um, and just uh, put your foot down and, and go for gold. Yeah. Do you think, like we talked, you talked about mentorship before. Like, if if someone's sort of in their early to mid twenties, they've been in the hospitality industry for the last four or five years. They're doing quite well. Maybe they're managing or supervising a venue, uh, and they know they want to take sort of that next step. But do you have a do you have a gut feel about where? the food truck industry is going as a whole and the reason I ask that is because last time we spoke 18 months ago I was probably talking about how Melbourne was saturated by food trucks yeah. at that point now I think that's probably still the case but I reckon a couple of probably unfortunately lost their business in that period of time it's come off the yeah. excitement of food trucks has slightly come off in Victoria I think uh, I think it's sort of becoming the same the same okay um you don't do as well at breweries as you used to. Right. Um, and all the really big events at the council. Yeah. I remember I told you a year ago or whatever when we did yep. the last one yeah. that the council events were the big ones. Yes. So, you know, we used to just get completely smashed beyond belief. I would have four staff in the truck and one outside taking orders. Wow. And we'd just be pumping it out all night. Yeah. Now, they still have the same amount of trucks, but just people aren't. I saw somebody show up to the last one with a Macca's family box. So maybe people. Oh my lord! Anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that is disappointing. Yes. There's forty food trucks there, and you see that walk past. Yeah, so, yeah. But, and I also said to you that there was only maybe two or three burger trucks, mm-hmm. and now they're all over the place. So um, the only ones that will do well are ones that are different. Um, and you know, there's a few burger trucks that have popped up that are using just like frozen patties, and yeah. they're just doing it for the money. So. Yeah, right. I'm just glad that we're focusing on quality catering product. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk about that a lot on Instagram, mm-hmm. that we make everything from scratch. Yeah. We'll always put Insta stories up of us making our Yeah, things, making the products right. The sauce. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good everything. thing about what you guys do. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, I just don't know where it's going to go in Queensland, but yeah. I'm not worried because we've built ourselves nicely. So. Um, you know your little patch. Yeah, yeah, so we, we've already gotten to the stage where we're okay. We're not scrounging for gigs, mm-hmm. whereas the new ones are. Mm-hmm. And you get emails and messages from them on Instagram all the time. They're asking sure. you for advice. And yeah, right. You're sort of like, I would like to give you advice, but you are my competitor. So. No joke. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> so much you can give out, right? Yeah, and I do, I've got a couple of mates that I've helped out, and sometimes I think I should just start a food truck consulting business. Maybe <laughs> <But laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what do you think you where do you think you want to take it next? Like you got you've you've been in it for three years. Like, um, obviously, throughout your history, you've um, you've done a lot of different things, and you're obviously very experienced and and loving what you do. Do you know where you want to take the actual food venture next? Yeah, I 
No, I think I'm happy with it where exactly where it is. Yep. So everyone asks me if I'm going to have a third truck or yeah, yeah, yeah. bricks and mortar. Yep. You know, I just, I'm not interested in going global. I just, yes. we're happy, we're doing well. Um, that's all I really want. I think my whole life, my dad just brought us up to be, you got to be your own boss, you got to be rich. And, um, <laughs> you know, and we had that hammered into us. Right. And over the years, I've, I've learned it's actually more about being happy. Being happy, yeah. And, you know, just having what you need. Yes. Enjoying life. Yeah. So I've got time to travel. I've got money to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go global. <laughs> yeah. Basically, even though Dad still says it. What are you going to do now? Are you going to build a bigger truck? You know, <laughs> you know, like, he says I should build one with um, seating upstairs. You know, he's seen... A truck with seating upstairs? There's, there's a food truck getting around that is a double-decker bus. And they right. decked it out upstairs. They do waffles. Sick. Um, don't know what it's called. In Australia? Yeah, it's up in right. Brisbane. Right. And they have seating, so you can go and sit upstairs, order downstairs... It just seems too painful for me. It seems like a, it seems like a lot of work. I'm sure yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, you have to cool. clean it all. And yeah, going up and down the stairs. Yeah. No. Maybe we're just lazy, German. I'm not quite sure. Um, I just want to give you a burger and you go away. <laughs> yeah, just go. This is my place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, cool. So what's what's the easiest way for people to talk to you and find out about what you guys do and book an event? With so Notorious can, EAT. Yeah, just follow us on Instagram at Notorious Eat, same with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can shoot us an email, feedme at notoriouseat.com.au. Sweet. Super simple. Yeah. Gemma, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Open Pantry Podcast. As always, please leave me your feedback on Instagram. Just find us under Open Pantry Consulting. Send me a DM and uh, let me know what you think of the show. Any guests you think which should come up would be really beneficial as well. We're going to really push this podcast through the next year or so. So make sure you keep filling me up with guests and people who you think would be beneficial for me to talk to. Until next time, take care.